to the Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman, joined once again. I haven't seen you in a few weeks, pal. Yeah. By, you're thrilled, my friend, <laughs> Dan Volpone. Dan, I'm not going to ask you a question here. I'm going to give you a task. Do you have your phone with you? I do. Pull it out. It's out. I want you to load up an app. Yeah. Load what the app? app Instagram. Instagram? Stop. Mm-hmm. Go to... Um, Emily Cannell's Instagram page. Right there. Do you see I what do. she posted? I do. You know about this? Yeah, she told me. <laughs> oh, she told you. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a thing. Well, Emily just announced to the world that um, I feel like we're safe to say this here because she just announced it uh, to the public. But um, there's going to be a gastro baby. Um, uh, Emily and Jordy are expecting a child uh, this spring, and we are thrilled at that news. Uh, Emily told uh, Drew and I last week, and we didn't, we didn't, uh, wasn't public knowledge then, and she told us that she was going to tell Dan. And, um, so yeah, she won't be present on late pods or any pod that she doesn't want to be on at all, um, but it's very exciting news, and uh so yeah, I, I thought that maybe you didn't know yet and I was going to have you uh, pull up Instagram and find out right here and it was going to be a real big moment, but I did alas, <laughs> you didn't know. Well, congrats to Emily and Jordy. Yes, and absolutely. Very thrilled. Anyway, the opposite of thrilled, Sixers lost tonight. They suck. <laughs> they suck, man. Are they, did they just suck? Are they bad? They're, they're bad. Oh, what's the deal? Why, why do they suck? They don't give a shit. Well, right now Harden Harden's not there. They miss Um, Harden on offense, but totally because offense looked horrendous tonight. I mean, Max. You played Atlanta tonight, by the way. That's the game we're talking about right now. Max has really struggled. Um, Yes, all of this three games struggled from the field um, since our last pod. Well, since your last pod, I was studying. Um, Mm -hmm. Harris was, I thought, okay tonight. Um, I. Embiid was good early, um, but a lot of lazy turnovers though. That he's he is so frustrating out there because he plays like he doesn't care, and like the towards the end of the game, right before they pulled the starters, you know he throws the ball away and doesn't get back on defense, like doesn't even pretend to. Like just stands there and watches. He's the he's the furthest off offensive player. He should be the first one back, and he's basically you know saying game over, and you know for the bench guys to come in and cut it down to you know six at one point. I didn't like the doc brought the starters back in because the bench guys were the ones showing heart. And I said this you know I said this a couple of weeks ago, but the Sixers need a coach who's going to challenge them. First of all, it shouldn't fall. It shouldn't have to fall on the coach. And I'm, I'm very frustrated with Joel at this point in his career. He's he he's mopey. He's inconsistent. Um, I, I'm, I'm I don't feel the need to dance around it at this point anymore. Um, 
obviously he's a great player um but i don't i don't feel the need to to preface it with that like we did with the tobias being a nice guy thing for years there's no need we know he's great but honestly his attitude holds this team back it does Uh, it starts with him he's the leader of the team and he's and he he gets down and he gets mopey and he doesn't consistently bring energy and when things go wrong he's the first one to check out he's not the first one to pick him up and it is abysmal to watch and the bench guys come in they bring it close again if i were doc i would say if the starters want to play, they should fix their attitude. They're done for this game, right? That's what they need a coach who's who's going to make that attitude unacceptable. And it's acceptable there right now. And I, I hate it. And the, nothing's getting fixed until that becomes unacceptable. And we, that's we should game. acknowledge, at least just for just this one game, you know, uh, obviously it's been many games, but this one game in particular, Joel was a plus 10 and a nine point loss. Um, they fell apart without him out there. Like this was as much as we love people, Paul. He was getting destroyed out there. He was horrific tonight. He was terrible. Um, and he was great against Phoenix. Um, and the team played really well against Phoenix. Um, but the body language language thing with Joel is real. I mean, like, well, like when... the thing, he was playing well. He was like the plus ten. It's not like it's not a shock. You don't look at it and you're like, wow, like that was you were really seeing that like first half, like beginning of the third quarter it's like yeah like they're playing a lot better with Joel on the floor no surprise he's their best player by a lot but when things go wrong he's not there for them he's not there he's he the had seven he had seven turnovers tonight um and he, so he did an have issue. a really good game in the last game against phoenix he yeah. was very good defensively but again they were up that game and and when things go wrong he falls apart and it's happened it's, it's not just in the regular season when the games don't matter and guys check out those are habits that you build and that's why you know that's why teams that play hard during the regular season are teams that consistently play hard in the playoffs right you don't just flip that switch and we see it with joel in the playoffs when things get tough which they're gonna it's the playoffs like they're done you know they get down and they're done he the, the body language is so bad and and it reflects in his play it's not like it's not like we're being the body language police. Like if his body language was down, but he was still playing well, that's one thing. But you see it, you see how he's acting. And it's like, you know, the turnovers are coming. You know, the four shots are coming. You know, the defensive lapses are coming because you see it in him. And I'm so sick of it. And it, it's it's killing the team. It, it is. I mean, obviously they're worse without him. He's their best player, but they could be so much better. And all he would have to do is have a different attitude. He doesn't even have to get better as a skill at, at any like – real physical skills and it's so frustrating at this point and i don't i don't see it changing without a coach change so we'll certainly get to doc i'm very excited um maxi tonight five of 17 harris tonight five of 15 uh melton two of seven uh you know as a team they shot 38 percent from the field and 20 percent from three it's just it's really hard to win that way um Joel shot 10 free throws. That's probably one of the only reasons they were in the game. Um, but uh, it was a gross game. Uh, you know, this game in and of itself is not anything that we need to spend a ton of time talking about. But just overall, this season, the, the defensive energy has been an issue. And, you know, we found out a little bit ago that, not a little bit ago tonight, but, you know, relatively speaking, that, you know, he dealt with, plantar fasciitis over the offseason and 
his like he wasn't able to fully do a ton you know that's not within his control but that factored into i guess the way his first few games went um which is which i call crap on by the way i mean the shooting the poor shooting maybe fine but the attitude has been there for years Mm -hmm. yeah so um you know it's one of those things where and, and also hard so harden wasn't here tonight like do they win this game with Harden? Yeah, like probably because they're better than the Hawks and and like they're gonna win like a lot of regular season games just at full health and and if they try like eighty percent. Um, but Harden isn't Mister like when the going gets tough guy either, <laughs> you know. Nope. So not at all. Uh, that's something to watch out for, you know. So and and were... listen, I mean, obviously Joel was here. Harden was probably the best player they could get, right? But I'm not saying like directly I, I I wouldn't want either of those guys but again when we talk about Daryl like kind of skirting past criticism right like even just beyond those two guys like we have assembled he has assembled a team here that like in the tough moments is garbage right like and like it go they should start with those two but I mean no one else has picked anything up and it shouldn't really fall on the rotation guys but we're sticking around with the coach who doesn't fix it. Like, it's just frustrating. Like, the blame needs to be top down. Well, so the question that I think we'll try to answer, uh, and we can we can try to answer it right now, is, like, when, when do you think will be enough of a sample size to say, like, that, you know, they're not going to be 10 games under 500. They're just not. So when will it be they're not good enough and we need to do a coaching change because i don't people talk about cassell or Dave yeager i don't think that's happening like i don't think that they're gonna go with a guy who's on the bench i think it'll be d'antoni or quinn snyder like that would just be just a guess um so at what point do you think that like what do you think it would take for Darrell to pull the plug you know hardens out until december so what do you think? Well, I do want to say that the Sixers being near 10 games under 500 when Harding gets back is, to me, not off the table. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think that they're bad. They're they're not good. Um, that, Joel plays they never lose that many games, though. It's, he just beat Phoenix. They're, you know, they just play, never though. lose that many. I mean, he missed a few games, but they were they were losing games with him in. I mean, yeah, they beat Phoenix. But like, they're, the issue isn't the talent level, though, right? The issue is that cons- they're not bringing energy consistently at all. But you can't win that way. And if they quit on the coach, I guess you're saying is like, sure. they could just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, when is enough? Like, tonight should be enough. But... Well, yeah, sure. Like, it's probably not. I will say... I, I don't think tonight is like the night the doc gets fired, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think tonight makes sense in a lot of ways. It's like it's a road game and their next game's at home. They have two straight games at home next. Um I think I'm sorry, they have well, they have a, a they have a back-to-back at home coming up, I should say, but they actually have their next five at home. Um and I think that would be a, a, an apt time for a switch, you know, when you have everyone at the facility and you can figure things out. 
They know that at some point next week they have four off days in a row or something, which, um, you know, we're, we have a whole, we're going to talk about Doc soon because uh, there was a recent article that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, like the time should be now. And if you had, if I had to guess, I would say like a couple more losses, but like t- tonight makes sense for me. And it's not just like, I mean, you, like the way the Phillies handled it, right? It was like Girardi was fired after a win, but he was fired as they came home. And I think, you know, logistically that makes sense. It's a whole process to fire your coach and you have to, you know, either appoint an interim or depending how the Sixers want to handle it, um, and, you know, they might have an interim and also be looking for a replacement right now. Sure. Like, so I think, you know, with all of that necessary, you know, I think you could go to an interim for a few days. And then, like you said, you have that four, that four days off coming up. I think the time makes sense. I just, I don't think we're going to see it. But if, I mean, if, I, I, I would put it at like a 10% chance. So I don't think it's likely, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, we, you know, we woke up to like a, a tweet from one of the real Woges, not the ones with the new fake check marks, who's like, so we have to have notifications on. You have to deal with the podcast promotion. But, yeah. you know, saying Doc's been fired. I, 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 I mean, what is what is the case for keeping him? Um, yeah, we'll just see. Um, you know, also this week, this you know, we talked a little bit about Joel came back and and uh, they beat Phoenix. I thought physically, I was very pleased with how he looked. You know, his energy level was good in the Phoenix game. He was he was you know going all out on both ends, and I I, I was expecting him to more work his way into it, but he was actually um, really trying out there and and it was looked himself looked himself on both ends. Um, before that, they lost to the Knicks. Feels like it was a year ago. I don't remember what happened in that game. Um, who so far for the team looks better than your offseason expectation and who looks worse? Um, like, Harden's a tricky one. Obviously, he's out now. And, and, you know, so like, I think some of us were hoping that like the burst would be back. And I wouldn't say that the burst is back. I think that he looks good and looks better than last year. But I wouldn't call the burst back. He's not dunking on people and he's not driving past everyone, but he looks better. He's making more shots and he's, I think, playing much smarter than he was um, for much of last year. But we'll see what he is like when he gets back. Like, who comes to mind when I ask that? Yeah, I mean, I think Harden looks better than people should have expected. Right? I mean, he's hitting the mid-range shots. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Reed looks worse than expected. Um He's had some good games, but he's had quite a few really bad ones. Um, tonight being a great example. Um, Max has really struggled lately. Um, um, you know, I know a lot of people expected him to be like a borderline all-star this year. Um, well, he was three games ago, but well, <laughs> these three, three games, games ago was like rough. four games in. So that's so true. Um, no, I um, I think that. You know, I didn't necessarily expect that out of him, but, um, you know, his shooting has, you know, come down to earth as Harden's been out, uh, which isn't super surprising. Um, I think Melton's been really good. I, I like Melton a lot. Um, and, you know, besides that, I'll just say the last, I'll end with, I'm, I'm, I know I've said it, but I'm pretty damn disappointed in Embiid. Hmm.
Yeah. Um, I've got uh, Daniel House. I feel like sometimes looks like he can't play basketball at all. But tonight, decent. Yeah, Yeah, not bad. Uh, I'm happy to see it because I want him to be good. Um, PJ uh, looks about like what I expect him to look like. You know, he's, he's playing 24 minutes usually. Like, you know, the one thing I can say is that it seems like Doc is fairly cognizant of, of his minutes when he's not usually of others. Um, Harold mostly stinks. He was good tonight. And, I said and, Yeah. I said yes, you did say that. Um, he spurred the comeback tonight. I was, uh, you know, I live in New York and I was watching the Atlanta broadcast and they were saying that at the, toward the end, when they pulled Harold out of the game to put Embiid back in, that Harold was like pretty upset to be taken out of the game uh, after should've they been. made that run. He carried and, him back. He should have gotten to stay on the I'm, I'm with you. I think just let him, you know, at that point, the, the starters had fumbled away, you know, any sort of being in that game. Just just live and die with the guys that got you back there. Um, let me play devil's advocate. Hit me. Um, Montrez and all the bench guys, yeah, they did lead the comeback, but in the playoffs, when it does matter, we need Joel and Maxi and everyone else, even if it didn't look pretty tonight, to get the experience of those like late minutes. So I feel like even though like we, it ended up in a loss, was my it was still like a nine point game. So sure. was Montrez and Shake and Furcon really going to lead us back by themselves? I don't know. It would have been cool, but. I think, like, for the playoff experience, you need the end game, like, with your starters in. So I, I kind of agree with Doc in putting him back in. See, I, I get that there are, like, there are, there will be games where, you know, you're just going to have to put the better players in. But I think that, you know, if you're playing this particular game, to win in general after going down 20 and having the the bench lead you back if you have a slightly better chance putting the starters in i think it's still not worth it i mean reward the bench let him finish it out um it's not a must-win game and and really i mean i i get what you're saying but you know this sixers starting lineup is pretty experienced they'll have more close games throughout the year um i i don't think more less so as a reward to the bench and more so as as like a showing the starters you know what the deal is going to be and you know what they're going to have to do to earn their minutes at the end of these games I would have liked to see like no like that effort tonight was unacceptable you're not closing the game like the guys out here playing harder closing the game and I think the Sixers need more of that I think more so than like a long-term like getting working closing games anything like that the most important thing the Sixers are missing right now is someone to say, like, the guys who care are going to play. Like, you want to play, start caring more. Like, I think that they need that. Dan, I think that's, like, in in line with what you were saying earlier about the uh, attitude type stuff um, with the head coach. Um, so, yeah, I get that. And, um, hey, was tonight Furkan's first minutes whatsoever? Has he been out oh, there at all? So. Yeah, he's played. He was averaging one point on the season, though. Whoa. Okay. 
I didn't know that because he's going full shooting sleeve. Um, yeah, no, he's played. He played. This was his one, two, three, four, fifth game. Um, no, this was his sixth game. I'm sorry. He played That's 11 games for the Knicks. That's what I said. Oh. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I yeah, no, I said, I said this is his first game. Okay. That's I right, yeah. All right. You got um, me. Shake can't do anything. He cannot do one thing on the court. He can dribble consecutive times. Yeah, and he actually had like maybe five points tonight. But he really lost his shot. Like from you know when he got hot, you know, right before, or I guess was that that was right before the bubble. Right before the bubble. Well, right before the stoppage. Right. Um, and then in the bubble, he was, you know, a starter in place of Horford. Didn't do a ton, but he started that next season red hot. Um and looked really, really good and fell off and has not found anything since. But I will say the one thing with Shake is he's I mean, he's not good enough to be playing, but he I think shows some heart out there when a lot of the guys don't. He tries. Oh yeah. yeah. He's not a he's not a no effort guy. But no, I, he just can't good. play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, me and you would try out there. Um yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't try that hard. Oh, you would try. Why would I bother trying? I'd be so bad. What would I do out there? I would be like me trying and me not trying is the same thing on an NBA court. No, dude. Like you would try me something. trying and me not trying. Either way, if I have the ball to turn over, if I'm on defense, I'm blown by. It makes no defense. It makes you've no got a big you've got a big wingspan. You could D up out there. Uh-huh. You'd be pretty good. I can't, right. can't move my hips. I have too bad of a back. I don't know. I think you've got great hips, sweetie. That's all right. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about um the report that um basically nothing is Doc's fault because the Sixers suck anyway. So uh, I really can't wait for that. Um and oh, we should check in with our friends in Brooklyn because uh, last week I talked to Emily about it and uh, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it. Um, all right, so here's a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back now, Drew. Do we have the capability to show this article here on the screen, or is that a negative? Here it comes, Drew. The best there is. Um, now, this is from friend of the program Keith Pompey, who I will remind you, super nice guy, and we love Keith. But this article, don't Tobias oh, Keith. <laughs> this article, holy shit! Now. Dan, you've 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 seen this, right? I I saw it, but I didn't get a chance to read it. It really didn't seem worth the read, if I'm being honest. And I've been busy. I mean, it is completely just fed right to Keith from Doc or Doc's agent. The crux of the article is that Doc shouldn't be the fall guy when the Sixers, like for the Sixers failings. Um. He basically says, 
that um, associations have struggled to implement their new players. Um, at some point in this article, he says that um, the Sixers have high expectations, even though Joel Embiid and James Harden don't fit together. Like, what? Don't they absolutely fit together? And like the pick and roll numbers are incredible with them. Um, let me see here. Um, Sixers struggles aren't solely Rivers' fault. This is a tough team to coach because of the styles and of Embiid and Harden don't mix. Harden is ball dominant and made a career of thriving in isolation. Uh, Embiid is best when the Sixers play through him. PJ Tucker is a vocal leader, but he's struggled on the defensive end. What's going on? Um, they signed Montrez Harrell as a backup center. Though undersized at six foot center, he can provide instant offense. However, he is not afraid to voice his displeasure when things aren't going his way. The team misses the luxury of having solid backup centers like Andre Drummond and Dwight Howard at its disposal. And the roster doesn't have a true backup point guard. The Sixers could elevate to the starting lineup with Harden sidelined. Um, you know, this whole article is, uh, is really just like Doc putting this in the ether for when he gets fired. And Spike Eskin, I think, said, like, the biggest thing is that Doc thinks all this stuff, thinks that the Sixers just, like, don't have the horses and wants to get this out there before he gets fired. Um, Which is crazy because, like, if the coach doesn't believe in the team, like, no wonder they're having some problems. And fire him now. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, if this is, if he's leaking this stuff now, like, it's ridiculous. Like, this is so silly. I mean, meanwhile, Tucker has looked slow and out of position on the defensive end and opposing wings are taking advantage of that. Like, <laughs> even in this tumultuous start, Rivers has tried to keep things positive. That hasn't sat well with fans who are getting fed up with him spinning things to make things look better than they actually are. Rivers' rotations and in-game adjustments have also been a sore subject. Uh, that he has blown an NBA record three, uh, three 3-1 playoff leads. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, oh, here you go. He has developed Maxi into a star player and Embiid at his best two seasons under him. That hasn't stopped fans from expressing their desire to see Rivers fired, and he appears to be on the hot seat. So listen, uh, you know, this is clearly Doc trying to like frame the narrative before this happens. And it's him like throwing water out of the boat before it sinks. And uh, I just think it's wild. Um, and uh, we did the ad, right, Dan? I thought we didn't do the ad. But the ad is so fast the... on our end. I could have swore we did the ad. Drew, did we do the ad? We, we did the ad right after Steve complimented your hip stand. So I think you were in the middle of being flattered. You're right. There you go. Well, we did the ad. I'm coughing through this whole thing. So what's, <laughs> what's one more no. thing to edit out, honestly? Or leave no, it. Leave it. Leave no, leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. It's late. Um, so anyway, Dan, what are your thoughts on this article? And honestly, what it says about Doc standing uh, as the Sixers head coach? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of pathetic, right? Like, 
I mean, listen, I mean, Keith's been good to us and we appreciate him coming on. And, and I think Keith does have good, you know, reports a lot of times that are, you know, legitimate and, um, you know, and new and that only he has. But, you know, this is not journalism, right? Like this is, this is a tough look to put out. And, and it, it's a, it's a worse look for Doc, I think, um, assuming that this was coming from Doc uh, or his camp. It's just a little silly to be saying this and, and to be, you know, worried about your, and he'll have all the time in the world if he does get fired to try to, you know, shape the narrative here, but to be, you know, giving up on things basically. And, you know, because this is not helpful to the team for like this article you know, presumably from Doc to be like, well, the team is shit. So like, you know, it's not the coach's fault, right? Like this doesn't help them. Like if you get fired, you can say that later. But like the fact that his mind's there instead of trying to like kumbaya this team and get them to start like playing with some some heart, it's very frustrating. I mean, Doc has felt out of touch for like his whole time here just with like, you know, how he – you know, has talked to the media, how he's, you know, spoken about, you know, the media and the fans, you know, how they talk about certain players and, you know, implying that, you know, they're dumb at times, you know, when he's straight up lying, like the whole bet when he was, you know, the whole Ben thing, like, you know, like saying that, you know, people don't know basketball because they were criticizing Ben, right? Like that was his- There's just was, never been any connection between him thing. and the city, right? Like- Well, he doesn't, he doesn't get- well, I don't, it's not just him in the city, although I think that's true. Like, he just feels disconnected from everything, right? Like, Joel doesn't seem to, like, love Doc or anything. Like, it's not like, I mean, Joel's played well in the last few years. And, like, I, like I've said, I think Doc deserves, like, some credit for some of the good things that have happened. But, like, he's lost the team. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's done. Like, and he's making no effort to get it back. So what are we waiting for? Let's move on. It's a total matter of time. And like this article, which is so obviously fed to the media, just makes me think that it's coming soon. Like, cause he's feeling the heat, like the, the players are going to win games because they're good and it's a talented roster, but not enough. I don't think to stave this off for much longer, especially now that Harden's out. So to me, it's just like delaying the inevitable. I don't, it just seems like things are so lifeless while this is happening. And like, I know our friend MOC wrote something about how like, he's not sure how much actually will change, you know, with this, like with a coaching change. And he said that he hopes that it's his Ken Rosenthal uh, article. Um, But like, I do think that things could change with it person brought in with new ideas and a new voice and like and a new energy and a new energy and you know all of that kind of stuff so like I'm hopeful about that happening and like Doc is so stubborn in his ways so like yeah I you know this is just it's gotta happen and and I was like (laughs) devastated over uh the summer when he stayed when he didn't coach the Lakers and uh Clearly, the Lakers need him. Um, that would but, have been uh, insane. That would have been great, man. Can you imagine him with this Lakers team? He would be losing it. I think I think the Nets should have gone after him once they fired Nash. There you go. 
I think I think pairing him back up with Ben the second time's a charm. <laughs> ben loves him. Ben loves him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. The um. Sixers of New Jersey's the new city edition jerseys, uniforms. Uh, I believe that uh, we're going to see them here. They're white. They have red uh, letters, numbers on them. Hmm. Font. Font. What do you think of them? They're fine. I don't know. I'm not a big Jersey guy anyway. I won't be buying one. Um, but I don't really buy the city ones anyway. I think they're a little silly. I don't hate them. I like the city jerseys in general, I think are a little silly. You'll have like a new uniform every year. It's fine. I mean, whatever. People like them. Um, they're they're fine. Like, I don't know. I I would love for them to, you know, put Philly on a jersey. Like literally the the like the word Philly as the, you know, like on the front of the jersey. They've never Somebody has said, them. like, put Philly on a jersey and sell a billion of them. Right, yeah. yeah. Here they I mean, are, this if you're is, watching the YouTube. Yeah, it's fine, right? Like, I think that they look okay. Like, I don't, I don't know, whatever. They're, this team stinks, who cares? They should be wearing, <laughs> they should be wearing hideous jerseys as a punishment until they get it together. I mean, everybody loved the Spectrum ones, and they were nice. I saw, pe- I saw people saying, just, like, keep those. Um, sure, that would have been fine. I'm fine with these. I don't, I never have strong opinions about jerseys, except for the Simmons ones, which everybody said were garbage, the uh, Boathouse Row ones. Yeah. Um, so I do enjoy that everybody can shit on those, especially now. Um Last thing, were you have you been able to comment on the podcast about what's going on in Brooklyn? Um, the what's going on in Brooklyn? Are you talking about the anti-Semitism in Brooklyn? Yeah, the anti-Semitism in Brooklyn. Um, have you talked about that on the podcast, or did that? I have not. Happen? I will okay. say that our. I don't know if you. I know you have mixed feelings. This is like a. This is not a happy memory at all, but it's a memory worth bringing up. Our very first podcast, we talked a good at good length about anti-Semitism. Is that true? That, that is true. Uh, because uh, who was starting that? Deshaun Jackson uh, oh, and uh, Ben Simmons' sister. Uh, what did she do? Oh, she was just tweeting anti-Semitic stuff. Oh wow! I remember the Deshaun thing. Deshaun posted on Instagram a weird. A fake Hitler quote. Fake Hitler quote, which is so funny As one that people does. are making up. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, yeah, and, and you know, you don't have to, you know, say whatever you want to say, but Emily and I talked for a while uh, uh, last week about it. Um, yeah, I mean, and there I'll, hasn't been a ton between last week and this week, but yeah, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll say this, like, it's upsetting. Um I think that it is scary um, as, you know, I'm not a religious Jew, um, not a religious anything, but I'm, you know, as we've talked about, I am, you know, ethnically, I am half Jewish, I'm half Ashkenazi. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, it's scary to see, you know, this language coming up again and things that are just flat out lies being said from you know, people who probably don't really know Jewish people. Um, and, you know, yeah, it's honestly just scary. And it's, it's, it's sad. And it's getting old. And like, 
I mean, you know, between Kanye and Kyrie and all of this and, you know, everyone's, the fact that, you know, everyone can't agree that this is ridiculous and there are people who think that this is correct and whatever, it's upsetting. Um, in terms of the, like, Kyrie steps or whatever that he has to do, I mean, I don't really care. I I don't really care about him. I care more about, like, the outcomes of what he says. And I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but um, I was living a mile and a half down the road when the Tree of Life synagogue uh, shooting occurred. Um, and that was a very scary morning. Um, and, you know, that starts with this kind of language. Um, and, you know, I think, I think one thing that's important to keep in mind is that like, you know, while, you know, I personally don't feel that like my, you know, race as a, you know, Jewish person has, you know, made my life particularly extra challenging or anything that like that. Whereas I think in other rate with other races in the United States, it, or even maybe living in different areas in the United States, even if you are Jewish, I mean, I, we're from the Northeast, um, you know, may, may, like, you know, there are, you know, other races that do have you know, maybe specific challenges brought on by race, but those like challenges are, you know, there are systemic things, whereas, you know, it would be so nice if people would just stop using language that will cause violence against, that, like will and has caused violence against Jewish people. And I'm not saying that there's like, you know, any kind of like, you know, systemic uh i guess you know systemic like economic oppression that i feel that you know i face or anything like that based on you know being jewish whereas other races do deal with that but it's just that the the things people say have consequences and i think you know that is something that is definitely true with jewish people is that the things people say about Jewish people have had consequences for a long time. The lies they're told about Jewish people have resulted in millions of Jewish people dying um, over thousands of years. Uh, and it's scary because um, this is the worst it's been in my life these last couple of years. Um, and I wish that people with platforms would be mindful of that. And, you know, I mean, Kyrie is just such a moron, right? Like, he he doesn't know any. It's not. This is not just about anti-Semitism. He just doesn't know anything about anything, but still won't stop pretending to be an authoritative matter on everything ever. Um, but you know, all it takes is a few people with a platform like that and a bunch of idiots who, you know, think they're cool. You know, think they're a good basketball player or a good musician or whatever, and you know, these things keep happening. So, it sucks. I don't know. That was kind of rambled and. And maybe not, you know, fully thought out, but it just sucks. Yeah. So, um, since Emily and I talked about this last week, uh, Kyrie had had, or before that, like Kyrie had had like two defiant meetings with the media, refusing to apologize for anything, refusing to say he's not anti-Semitic. The Nets suspended him indefinitely essentially but for at least five games without pay and then later that night he posted on his instagram an apology 
um, to the Jewish community, da da da. So now the Mets wanted to do this like five step thing to come back. And people like Jalen Brown or other members of the NBPA or um, Ron James, uh, Stephen A. Smith, LeBron James today are saying that he's apologized. That's enough. Like, let him come back, which it feels like it's not their place to say what's enough. Okay. Drive me crazy because he didn't even actually say anything. He just typed what was, to be honest, like probably an apology written by an intern at his agency or his publicist's office and posted it on his Instagram account because the nets went into his pocket. They took his money. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what actually got him to apologize because he had so many opportunities to denounce this stuff and so many opportunities to say, hey, you know, it's remarkably easy if people are asking you if you're anti-Semitic to say no, to say I'm not anti-Semitic. Because if you're not anti-Semitic, the first thing you'd want to do is say, oh, absolutely not. No, 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 fucking absolutely not. He said that he can't be because of the nonsense. Great. So, which, by I the just, way, is just historically very inaccurate. Of course. So it's like it's really disheartening to me that like the most powerful figures in the NBA, because he posted that thing on Instagram and has like just disappeared from public view, are now saying, "Hasn't he been through enough?" Like the guy apologized. Let him play. Like I just he didn't think do like- it. Like he didn't. Because what, they want him to meet with a Jew and like take a course on how Jews have suffered? Like, well, I mean, the thing is, like, come on, bro. Like, there's not a lot of Jewish people in general, but like, has this, like, all of these people saying that, like, this isn't, like, this is too much. She's done enough. Like, have any of them, like, talked to a Jewish person that's expressed this opinion? Has anyone, like, heard why people are upset? Like, can you imagine, like, like, I think if you flip the tables on anything else and someone says something offensive about, you know, a particular group, like, you would want to ask someone from that group, like, you know, what can be done to, like, you make amends for the situation. And you see it all the time when someone says something offensive and, and they, you know, want to build back public image. It's like, well, you talk to someone in the group, you learn why what you said was so offensive and the history and you, like, make a make a genuine effort to, and listen, like, you know, sometimes people do bad things and they're not perfect. I'm not saying that like, I mean, Kyrie's a shithead. Don't get me wrong. This is like, this is not the first thing that he's done. That's absolutely ridiculous. But like in general, I'm not saying someone can't be forgiven for doing something bad. If they make a genuine effort to, you know, like be better. Um, But like apologizing, like on the third try is not a genuine effort. And, and frankly, I don't think it's the place of people who are not affected to like be like the ones saying oh this is enough on like without like talking to the people who are like put at risk by the things he says i mean i would i would be saying i would be saying the same thing if you know if a jewish person said something racist i would say it's not my place to say what they have to do or accept the apology they should go talk to someone from the racial group they offended yes and it would just be fuck that guy it seems like a shithead yeah they would just be you know 
Um, but just to make it seem like Kyrie is a victim here and now he's being, you know, held over the coals in this way because of the stipulations the Nets have put out. Like, you know, do the Nets probably just want to be over and done with this Kyrie thing and, and wash their hands of it? Maybe, but they can release him at any time and, and that's probably their prerogative. And maybe that'll open up a whole can of worms with the with the uh, uh, CBA and the MVPA, but that's up to them. Like, you know, I just, I don't, I can I can see the way this is trending right now, which is that he's going to play in a couple of days just with none of the other stuff. And I just think it's gross, you know? Yeah. Well, so, and I feel like the more this goes on and the more public figures say like these few things he had to do are way too much and, you know, the, the apology should just be accepted and why can't we just move on? It's like the more Jews keep getting blamed for stuff, right? The more The more we become a target, right? Like it's just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, let's get out of here. We have, uh, there's no way to know what the standings are. Emily's not here. Um, it's just impossible. Um, we will make predictions. Emily, now, uh, evidently we have two games between now and the next podcast. We Saturday. play the Hawks. Yeah, we play the Hawks on Saturday. Yeah, this is this big chunk of oh, right. fire dock off games. We play the Hawks at home on Saturday. And then we play, is that the Jazz? Okay. That is at home at home on Sunday. The fucking West leading Jazz at home on Sunday. So it's a back to back Saturday and Sunday. Hawks and Jazz both at home, and then um, four off days. Um, so Emily said, "Win and win." Uh, I throw it to you, Dan. Well, this team sucks, so I'm not going to pick win and win. Um, I'm going to say that they lose to the Hawks again because they are worse than the Hawks. And the Jazz appear to genuinely be good at this point, but I'll say the Sixers take that game. All right. Home, back-to-back, Saturday, Sunday. Four Sunday just days. feels like a game they shouldn't win, like second half of back-to-back against the 10-3 and three Jazz team. So, yeah, they'll win that one. Four off days after that. What are you telling me, huh? I've got a loss to the Hawks. I've got a loss to the Jazz, and Doc Rivers is fired. That would make the losses worth it. So that would be a five and nine Sixers team, and I think Seems that's about your, right based on their play. And I think that's and I think that's your Doc firing. So yeah, I've got two losses and a fired coach. Sounds good. Um, and then that's that's a big chunk of off days to to get together whatever they need to get together. Yep. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Mazel tov to Emily and Jordy. Yes. Um, very excited for them. And uh, and Luna, of course. Uh, Gastro Blues Pod, DA Pelts 13, uh, Steve J. Lippman. What else we got? Third and Girl. Again, third and Girl, yes. The Gastro Blues, a Sixers podcast on YouTube. Um, That's it. Be safe and be great. We love you. We'll be back next week.